This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome everybody to episode 36 of the Animaniacast. I must say, you caught me off guard, Musketeers. I thought for sure you'd make one of your grand entrances. You mean, like this? We're the Musketeers, and we're very proud to say that through the years, in the face of danger, we have gone away. But hey, that's okay. What should you expect with this take-home day? We're the Musketeers, we drive a Chevrolet, swing on chandeliers, and have thrilling sword fights many times a day. It may sound cliché, but it was either this or sell Amway. Now unclog those filthy dirty years. It's time to meet the Musketeers. Musketeer roll call. Here goes. Wackles. D'Artagnan. Now we'll carve our initials in your ears. Cause we are the three Musketeers. Is that the kind of entrance you meant? Yes. We don't do those anymore. And welcome, everybody, once again to the Animaniacast. We are the only podcast that is dedicated to the animated series, The Animaniacs. Here we explore the series episode by episode, revisiting all of the cultural references and gags, and in the end, we give each episode a water tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me once again are my co-hosts, Nathan. Don't hate the Nate. And across the whole way across the country in Georgia is Kelly. Hello. <laughs> Almost talking on top of Kelly right there, dude. I was just getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have a very nice episode of Animaniacs. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess there was not really a continuous theme, I should really say. Like movies? Movie-ish, yeah. Yeah. Kind of felt movie-ish, I suppose, right? Like... <laughs> They have references Citizen to Kaney was yes. the uh, there you go. tagline, so it's all movie-ish. Yeah. <laughs> well, today's a, a, a nice episode, I would say. Uh, Nathan, what, if you were just going to say, talk about this episode in just a few words, what would you say? Uh, movie-ish. Wait, I already said that. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking it. It's movie-ish. Okay. And Kelly, what about you? Hal Spielbergian. <laughs> <laughs> very, very apt uh, description right there. Well, let's go ahead and get right to the episode. But before we do, Nathan, yes. when did this episode first premiere? Joey, I'm glad you asked. This episode first premiered on Monday, November 8th, 1993, which is just one day after Betsy King won the LPGA uh, tournament, the golf tournament, and also just four days before The Three Musketeers was released, which is the Di- the Disney movie. Disney's Three Musketeers. So we're right on the cusp of yeah. the actual movie. So maybe cool. why they... I love that movie. It's awesome. It's so good. <laughs> it really is. I, was, I remember seeing that movie and going, ah, I don't really think this will be that great, but uh, yeah. I remember we owned it on VHS and we we watched it quite often. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it grows on you. <laughs> Definitely. Well, anyway. Well, today is episode 36, and it features two different uh, main cartoons, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Two different segments. One is called Critical Condition, and the other one is The Three Muska Warners. Let's go ahead and get to Critical Condition first. Mm-hmm. 
So Critical Condition was written by Tom Ruger, and it was directed by Aru Payden and John McClenahan. And uh, Kelly, what can you tell us? What basically happens here in Critical Condition? Slappy and Skippy are watching uh, two movie or video critics. Um, I think it's Hiskel and Egbert. Um, yes. They're obviously takeoffs of uh, Siskel and Ebert. The uh, the film critics, if, if you know, they, they used to review films. I think I think both have passed away now. Yes. Um, yeah, sadly. But uh, they were they used to be really popular for their two thumbs up. Um, you know, years ago, and the um, they're reviewing a laser disc of old cartoons, Looney Tunes, and they actually go through and, and show some clips of uh, some Bugs Bunny and. Uh, they're laughing and it's the greatest thing ever and they enjoy it so much and Slappy's watching to see what their review on her cartoons are because they haven't mentioned her and they pan her. They just don't think she's funny. She's the worst thing ever. And so Skippy wants to get revenge. And so they spend the rest of the cartoon going after the movie critics who are trying to attend a new movie by... The best director in the world, <laughs> yep. Steven Spielberg. So, and yeah, I got a little upset about all that because they're like messing around with his movie premiere, which is, <laughs> I guess, sort of a takeoff of Jurassic Park and blowing things up and um, basically messing up the movie. Yeah. But, uh, and and I, I have to say that I was very disappointed they, they had a perfect opportunity for another Spielberg cameo and they didn't take it <sighs> but um, that's what can you do yeah <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but anyway they uh, antagonized the, the movie critics and by the end of the episode they they are more than willing to give two th- two toes up to slappy squirrel yes they, they kind of were beaten into submission i guess you could say but yeah <laughs> eventually they changed their mind because well, and they, cause they were in the movie i guess too. it was a weird like meta yes like apparently that whole thing was filmed and turned into a movie and then they gave that movie two toes up. <laughs> well they were in the movie yeah that's true even though they got uh, well, well, bashed if, by the if some if somebody could attack me and somehow land me in a spielberg movie I think I'd give them two th- toes up too. Because that, <laughs> I I would gladly take the the pain and agony um, <laughs> to, to be in a Spielberg film. Just just saying, Stephen, if you're out there, I'll, I'll be an extra. I can't act, but I I'll do something. <laughs> well, apparently, when Hiskel and Egbert in the uh, cartoon, uh, you know, they're looking at the the Tyrannosaurus Rex as it's looking down at them, mm-hmm. about to about to eat them, basically. Very lifelike. And the special effects are astounding. I challenge anyone to take a movie from that time period that was <laughs> attempting stuff with CGI and say and see if it holds up as much as it does t- today. I thought you were going to challenge someone to make a better movie. No. <laughs> no, that can't be done. But no, I... I just have to say that the visuals in Jurassic Park are astounding, and they they really do hold up far far more than some other movies that were made later. Even yeah. like nowadays, um, that, even you'll see movies that rely that... too heavily on CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, 
and you know before we get into i guess into some of the references and stuff let's just talk about the two main characters um kelly did you ever watch uh siskel and ebert growing up i kind of i mean i i didn't really watch their tv show so much but i i did later read you know i'd read the newspapers and mm-hmm. their movie reviews would be in the papers and things like that and of course anytime either of them said or, or wrote anything about steven spielberg i would um because uh, we're not on a first name basis, but <laughs> maybe someday uh, I, I would read read anything that they wrote on them. Yeah, I, I you know they had a power uh, unlike any other movie critics have ever had before mm-hmm. or since. I mean, uh, two thumbs up if you got that. That was like all you needed on a, a movie trailer was just you know two thumbs up and just yeah that uh, say no more. You know, people would say, oh, it's a good movie then. Exactly. I I remember watching it. I tried to watch it almost every weekend uh, just to see, did they like the movie I liked? Mm -hmm. And if not, why? And getting very upset if they didn't like the movie as much as I did. kids' movies, too. Exactly. Like, obviously, they're not going (laughs) to... I was very upset when they didn't like Three Amigos that much. I was like, hey! (laughs) The Three You know, I really didn't come to a Steve Martin or Chevy Chase movie to see him run around in desert. Uh, you know, I could watch old reruns of uh, the Cisco Kid or something. <laughs> Aside from amusing scenes, all involving music, and there's one great one involving a music or singing bush in the <laughs> desert. That was very cute. Almost everything else in this movie is a total loss as the jokes get repetitive and we simply laugh at those wonderful costumes. I was very disappointed in Three Amigos. Its script doesn't take many chances with a cast that previously, especially Steve Martin, has made us laugh at some very wild and crazy material. I was very, very disappointed, too. This is not a good movie. The Randy Newman songs are funny. Randy Newman wrote them, and he performs as the singing bush. Martin Short, who was so weird all last year on Saturday Night Live, everything he did was funny. This time, they seem to have him in a straitjacket, maybe because his wild comedy doesn't go along with the real laid-back style of Steve Martin. And as for Chevy Chase, he's so laid-back that occasionally he only seems to be visiting as a, you know, visitor. I had the, the same, set today, yeah. just looking around. I had the same reaction. When I saw them riding up there in, in the beginning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I almost made a decision about the movie. Uh, Chase looks dead. Martin looks joyful. and is, he's, he's, he's in character. He's just got nothing to do in the movie. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Very little to do. And Short just seems almost like delighted to finally be in a movie yeah. and, has, and is given nothing to do. But they would do these, I mean, you know, they really helped get, a, I think, an appreciation of film mm. uh, for... Uh, you know, for a lot of people, because this was before IMDb. This was before Rotten Tomatoes, all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and so when you wanted to find out if a movie was good or not, and even find out some stuff about uh, how the movie was made. I mm-hmm. mean, this is pre DVD special features yeah. and everything like that. Uh, they would be able to interview, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese and uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and things like that. You'd re- be able to really kind of get an idea about uh, how a movie is made and and what makes a good movie and what doesn't make a very good movie. Yeah. So I, I love their show. I, there's actually a, a really great documentary out there uh, called uh, Life Itself, which is a documentary uh, specifically just dealing with Roger Ebert. Uh, Gene Siskel died, I believe, of a a brain tumor, I believe, uh, a number of years ago. I want to say closer to 2001-ish, towards towards the beginning of 2000s, early 2000s, I believe. And uh, Roger Ebert died 
um, gosh, just a few years ago, I want to say yeah. like late, you know, 2012, 2013, perhaps, uh, after a long bout with, uh, with, uh, cancer and, and numerous surgeries, it's a really great documentary and actually a uh, voice actor, Stephen Stanton, uh, voices, um, some of, uh, Roger Ebert's lines <laughs> in that movie because uh, Roger Ebert lost the ability to speak. Um, so Stephen Stanton, who is the voice of Tarkin and is on, on Rebels and on the Clone Wars and, uh, gosh, uh, you know, numerous things, <laughs> numerous other cartoon shows. Uh, I know he was in the 7D, which is another Tom Ruger cartoon. Uh, he did, you know, just did a remarkable job. It's a great documentary. I think it might still be on Netflix. It was, hmm. uh, a couple months ago, so... If it's still on there, check it out. Um, and if it's not, well, I'm sure it'll rotate through and get back on there eventually again. So definitely check that out. But so, uh, Siskel died in 1999. Wow. Yeah. Long was, ago. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. Do you but, remember watching uh, Siskel and Ebert at all? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I, I enjoy it. Like, but again, yeah, they didn't like the Flintstones, which nowadays <laughs> I would movie? agree with them. But at the time, I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> not a single thumb up, I think. I don't know. But... <laughs> John Goodman was fantastic in Fred <laughs> Flintstone. It's better than the sequel, I assume. And Rosie O'Donnell as Betty. I mean, come on. Yeah. Perfect casting. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get into some of the other references, though, because there there were quite a few. I mean, uh, first of all, I mean, they're walking into the Chinese theater, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, and they see Shirley MacLaine and Shirley LaLune from Tiny Toon Adventures. Yeah. And uh, Shirley LaLune being, uh, you know, based upon a lot of Shirley MacLaine's attributes is kind of a, uh, well, when, whenever an episode is Shirley MacLaine-y, it, 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 they show a dot in front of a crystal ball. Yeah. Because Shirley MacLaine was very much into, you know, karma and your, oh, your chakras and, and the, you know, uh, reincarnation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cute to see those two. Uh, they started off this episode with something I thought was, boy, right from the nineties, which was a laser disc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking about the, the Looney Tunes laser disc that's out. Welcome back to the show. We now review a new laser disc just released to home video. It's called the best of Looney Tunes and it contains such favorites as Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck and Porky Pig. Let's take a look. I never owned a laser disc yeah. growing up. I I think in the in the in the nineties in the early nineties, my school, my middle school, got a laser disc player, and the teachers were also happy, like, "Oh, this is going to be the newest thing." And these things were bigger than LPs, <laughs> like vinyl records, and they looked really cool. They were really nice and shiny. Just imagine a a DVD, but five times, six times bigger. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and and have, you have to flip it halfway through <laughs> to get to the other side of the movie. And there you go. That's a laser disc. Uh, Kelly, did you ever, were you ever able to, I've never even watched a laser disc. I don't think. Have you ever actually sat down at someone's house or at your own to see a laser disc? No, no. Um, I, I guess I, I, I hung on to VHS as long as I possibly could. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was kind of slow to get in the DVD craze. And so I, I sort of missed that whole laser disc phenomenon. First DVD for me was 
I don't know. I think it was, it must have been The Phantom Menace. I think it was my first. No, it wasn't. I think my first DVD was maybe The Big Lebowski. I'm not quite sure. Mm. <laughs> but, I think uh, Singing in the Rain was. Singing in the Rain was your first DVD? I think so. Yeah, maybe. I think. I think. I think we got that as our, one that of our first That was definitely DVDs. one of the first ones. I yeah. remember watching that like over and over again. It's all the special features. <laughs> well, yeah, Laserdisc, that's a blast from the past. I just remember going to Suncoast Video and just seeing just the aisles filled like right in the center. And they were so expensive. It was like $50 for a Laserdisc. Wow. And that was like if you were a movie buff, you get the Laserdisc right there. So that was kind of a, a cool, cool thing for the 90s that they were talking about. Um, I remember Suncoast Video. I used to work at the mall, and uh, I guess around one time one of the prequels came out, and I kept stalking the store, and I was like, can I have the Yoda stand-up when y'all are done with it? And they <laughs> let me have it. That's awesome. They, there was a... I, yeah. I really wanted the... There was a Mystery Science Theater Suncoast uh, display that had those black and white pictures at the top of the of the store, and there was one with um, mm-hmm. Mike Nelson and Crow and Tom Servo, and I was like, I want that so bad. I worked at Suncoast. I did. I worked at Suncoast for one day. Yeah. But you caught that. uh... And and they never called me back. Not because they didn't like me. It was just because, well, we're not that busy right now. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, I'm out of here. But you got that discount. I got that discount. I did. I know. I was, I was like, it was like right around Christmas time. So I was just getting like discounts on a lot of DVDs with no money. (laughs) I was just borrowing money. Hey, I got a good discount though. Well, hi, Mary Heartless here at the movie event of the year, an invitation-only affair for Hollywood's cultural elite. There are some celebrities that are going by in the background. Yeah, I can't one really... of them kind of—I can't really tell exactly what the female woman that walks by is. Yeah. Might have been Cindy Crawford, perhaps, maybe Kathy Ireland. Uh, there's a very short man, looks like Dustin Hoffman, and of course they have Clint Eastwood there as well. Um, really, there's not many other you know references other than those you know celebrities you're in hollywood in yeah. jurassic park well they they of course have the warner brothers cartoons at the very beginning right yeah so. yeah which which <laughs> it's funny because they're watching uh what's opera doc mm-hmm. and then they watch a a cool one right there with uh the duckamuck the one. duckamuck mm-hmm. which i always love that cartoon and yeah that's so funny very weird one where it's the dodo yeah. and uh, porky, porky and wacky land yeah and that Dodo is supposed to be, I believe, the father of Go-Go Dodo from mm-hmm. Tiny Toons, by the way. Um, but <laughs> I just thought it was funny how after seeing What's Opera Doc, the famous lyric is, Kill the Wabbit, mm-hmm. Kill the Wabbit. And what does, do you remember what uh, Gene Hiskel, I believe, says instead, Nathan? No. What did... He says, Catching the Wabbit. <laughs> and I'm like, Catching the Wabbit? That's not what he says at all. <laughs> catching the Wabbit! <laughs> so <laughs> but they love those that. that's but funny. they love those jokes so much that even one of them says like i gotta stop laughing i'm gonna throw up or something so those two characters were, were funny um i suppose that really the only uh thing that made me think of something else really in this cartoon was uh the dinosaur itself, mm-hmm. especially when it looks at the camera uh, or, you know, breaks that fourth wall and looks at us, uh, 
looked a lot like a similar dinosaur. Do you remember this? It'd be in these PSAs where this dinosaur would lose his tooth or something oh, yeah. like that. Miles, where's your mouth guard? Whoa! Uh-oh. What should I do? If the tooth is dirty, gently rinse it under running water. Don't scrub it. Have a grown-up carefully place the tooth back into the socket. Or place the tooth in a cup of water or milk. Take the tooth and go to the dentist within 30 minutes if you can. If you do this, there's a good chance the dentist can save your tooth. Wear a mouth guard. That is done by the same animation team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe um, the uh, John McClenahan actually was the animation supervisor slash director of both of, of those, of those dinosaur cartoons, those dinosaur PSAs. And even, (laughs) and even in one of those cartoon commercials, there's a, a little, uh, saber tooth tiger. And I was like, wait a minute. And that saber tooth tiger kind of reminds me a little bit of Skippy squirrel a little bit too. So (laughs) the animation style, this is done by star tunes. I believe it was, it was nice animation. It was, you know, some good, good effects of like close ups of, Skippy and Slappy when they're saying what? And of course, Slappy being punched around the place when she heard all the horrible things that were being said about her by the two movie reviewers. Yeah. Codger, have you ever laughed at a Slappy Squirrel cartoon? Never. She repulses me. (laughs) I mean, she's just not funny. (laughs) She never made a funny cartoon in her life. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, so yes, Nathan pulled up the the dinosaur I was talking about, <laughs> Dudley the dinosaur. There he is. He looks very much like the dinosaur in the in the thing that we just saw. Anyway, so Kelly, uh, what were some things that you liked about this cartoon? I I like the Spielberg reference. <laughs> Shockingly, yes. <laughs> and Nathan, any gags, any things that you liked? Um, I thought some of the times that they got hurt was kind of funny. But I also kind of felt bad when they got hurt sometimes because I'm like, they're critics. Like, that's their job is to, like, if you can't handle criticism, maybe you shouldn't be doing your job. Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, they were very, they were very harsh on her. Yeah, but she is the least funny of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I was surprised that uh, Slappy was even a part of the Looney Tunes crew. I always got right? the the sense that she was just in a a third group of cartoon mm-hmm. stars like maroon cartoons, some fictional studio yeah. uh, was in charge of her, not, not, you know, Warner brothers. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, the one moment that really stood out for me in this cartoon was probably the, the most disgusting thing yeah, I've ever seen. Really in gross. Any, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Any Animaniacs cartoon. And that of course is give me a large tub of popcorn and hurry. <laughs> There you go, Shamu. You want artificial butter flavoring on that? Sure. All right, then. Does it cost extra? Artificial butter? Nah, it's cheap stuff. Really? What's it made of? Ah, uh, it's just lard that I'm liposuctioning out of your gut. It's his, it's his fat, yeah. Very much yeah. a spew moment. Yeah. And I liked how he, although it did end with a very funny line of, you know, he forgot to pay seven fifty. Mm-hmm. Which today doesn't seem that bad for a large popcorn. Yeah, it's like half price. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the nineties, I'm sure that what would that be like fifteen bucks or something? Which, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, that would be a lot for popcorn. 
But yeah, I've never, that almost sounded, that felt more like Ren and Stimpy yeah. kind of uh, grossness. Uh, it, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, but I still liked it. I mean, what do you, and Skippy in this was particularly uh, pushing Slappy more than anything. Usually it's Slappy who's dragging Skippy. And Slip- yeah, no, it was basically Skippy that got Slappy to do it. Cause I don't think Slappy would have even done anything if it weren't for Skippy. He went all Rambo on her and stuff. <laughs> yeah. He did. It was crazy. <laughs> Calm down, Skippy. We can't let him get away with it, Aunt Slappy. Let's go get him. Skippy, no, what are you thinking? Oh, you're right, Aunt Slappy. We'll need the big balls. That's better, kid. Come on, let's go blow him to kingdom come. And he got lots of money for it, too, so it's... How did he get lots of money? <laughs> he got uh, Egbert and uh, his school to pay him to get in. That's right. I forgot about that. he's going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not for college. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was cute. I mean, it was nice to see Skippy was a much more of a dynamic character in this mm-hmm. one. He wasn't just the, the straight guy going, no, Slappy, no, right, Slappy, don't do that. A little hero in worship never hurt nobody. This is Michelangelo from the best episode of Animaniacs, Hooked on a Ceiling. His eminence is coming, so you'd better listen to the Animaniacast. <gasps> well, before we get to the Three Muska Warners, the next segment, we have uh, a chase <laughs> kind of filler. Yeah. <laughs> which we've seen before, like yeah, 90% seen, before. Yeah, it's just a little bit different. Yeah, instead of coming out of the nose of Mount Rushmore, or like George Washington, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, or maybe it was Abraham Lincoln, uh, they come out of just the Warner Brothers studio uh, in the plane, and then it rips, and uh, Ralph and yeah, Ralph gets stuck in the tree, and the Warners fall down. Yeah, yeah, it's like seen it before. It's a little bit of filler right there, but it leads us right into the three Muska Warners. And the three Muska Warners was written by Sherry Stoner, and it was directed by Adu Payton. And Nathan. What basically happens here in uh, the Three Muska Warners? So the Warners are doing a Three Musketeers parody kind of thing, and they're trying to protect the king from the threat of the Viper. Ooh. And the whole time, <laughs> they're kind of not doing a great job and kind of playing around with the king. Um, then the king sees the Viper outside of his window. The Warners rush in to confront him. They pull away the window shade and it's the Vindo Viper. He's come to vipe the Vindos, which I remember that as a kid saying that all the time. I forgot where it was even from. I, just I remember so just times. saying it as a joke as a kid before yeah. this episode even came okay, out. Okay, so yeah, I just remember like all, my whole life just saying Vindo Viper, come to vipe the Vindos. So, yeah. um, and it turns out it was all a movie, and we get to see all the actors come out, and and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, not just a movie, but actually a salute to the Honeymooners. Ah, yeah. Which I'll get into that in a little bit later because it's a, kind of a weird story, I think. But yeah, the Viper, I do remember that. I want to say that the, I remember first hearing that story and like, if it wasn't in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, that book, mm. it was a very similar book. 
where it was just like spooky. yeah, I, I thought it was that book. Yeah, so it might so you can tell us, listeners, if you if you know for sure. Yeah, where's um, the Vinda Viper? Vindus. That's that's yeah, that's where I first remember hearing it. It's just in a book in the in the library. I remember reading that and uh, thinking it was just so funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's get into some of the quick references here. First of all, this episode is of course referencing the classic story Three Musketeers. But it's being done in a very uh, Marx Brothers ish fashion mm-hmm. once again. Uh, the the it starts with the hail the king's protectors, hail the three musketeers, and that is in reference to once again the the Marx Brothers film Duck Soup, uh, which we had mentioned before in the uh, episode King Yakko, which is very very much Duck Soup related. Um, so here's a, a quick little sample of a similar situation in Duck Soup, where they're they're basically welcoming uh, Rufus uh, T. Firefly, aka Groucho Marx, uh, to come in and become their, I believe, their new prime minister. I want to say I forget the exact plot line of it, but he's there to <laughs> he's there to to, to rescue uh, Fredonia, and uh, this is what happens. So. I just start turning this up here. looking and no one's coming out of the door any moment now so the people look to the side and say okay let's pull our trumpets again (laughs) so they bow again yeah meanwhile groucho is waking up from his bed takes off his nightgown he's already wearing a suit Yep, slides down a fire pole on the opposite side of where the door is. So everyone's facing the door, and he's kind of looking at the door saying, what are these people looking at? You expecting somebody? Yes. (laughs) So Marx is now, he's also waiting. He's also saluting with his cigar for this person to come out. Oh, your excellency. And they finally see him. So there we go. So that's that little moment. Again, my narration <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> it's much funny, funnier visually. So again, well, check. that's your opinion. <laughs> yes, that's right. Look forward to my new podcast where I narrate the entire Everything movie that happens in Duck Soup <laughs> from beginning to end. For the visually impaired, <laughs> here's Duck Soup. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a, a, a cute, uh, cute little reference right there. And of course, there's other references to uh, to the Mickey Mouse Club as well. Mm, that's right. You're okay, so welcome to our Mouse Club, and by the way, while you're here, you're all the guests of the Merry Mouse Gutters. 
Is was not the dreamy one. I don't. I don't believe. By the way, <laughs> you would know. <laughs> you know, I remember Cubby being the one that he was just the 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 little the the smallest one of the of the musketeers. Like if you know, musketeers. The, that, yeah, I'm sorry, the musketeers. <laughs> if a net like a net Funicello was like say, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, he would be like eight or nine. You know, he was like the youngest one. So, and, uh, you know, there's possibly some other uh, Marx Brothers connections in there as well. There's a, you know, their wacko, I believe, is fighting with a swordfish, mm. which was the uh, password in the Marx Brothers uh, film Horse Feathers, uh, which, uh, yeah, so there you go. Horse there Feathers, go. that's another good Marx Brothers film. Slappy comes out and mentions <laughs> as well that, you three remind me of a very young yippy yappy and Yahooey. I have no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. Which were a little dog trio of Hanna Barbera, uh, three musketeerish characters, and I remember very little of those two, those three, I should say, characters because well, they are puppy children, so no, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, the very end of it, where they <laughs> introduces. Uh, Gina McRae, I believe, is the name of the of, of the of the woman who plays the king, and mm. and and the the soothsayer or whoever was played uh, by uh, Jane Keane, and then Ralph Cramden played uh, Art. Oh no, I'm sorry, Art Carney, <laughs> who played Ed Norton uh, in the Honeymooners, is playing. Gosh, who did who did Ed Norton play in this one? The the viper, yeah, the window viper. viper, right? So anyway, this is in reference to the the honeymooners. At the end of the honeymooners, Jackie Gleason would come out and in a bathrobe, uh, I'm assuming like a cup of coffee in his hand and everything like that, and then give kind of a stage call to the different people. What's weird about this is that this the characters who he's introducing are not the other than Ed Norton uh, or Art Carney, I should say, other than Art Carney. The two other women, Gina McRae and uh, Jane Keene, they played the wives, but they weren't the original ones that Hmm. we're used to in the 1950s Honeymooners. I had no idea, but the Honeymooners actually uh, essentially rebooted Wow! (laughs) like about 10 years later in the 60s. So from what I could tell, this was actually 1966. Um, I looked online this afternoon and uh, I couldn't find any example of like how this exactly went every honeymooners clip i can ever find is classic black and white you know clips of the honeymooners with a with the you know alice um what was her name right yeah yeah alice cramden and uh trixie norton um played by two other women so i just thought that was kind of interesting i never knew i learned something Hmm. 
this particular episode. However, here's where I get back to that little window viper connection right there. Sherry Stoner wrote this episode and in the DVD special features for this episode talked about how she was kind of stuck and didn't know where to go. And so it was Paul Rugg who helped. We felt like a team, you know what I mean? Trying to work together to make stories better. So like you were saying that we would go to each other for different story ideas, like with the three Musk Warners. Like I was, I was working away on that and I had just absolutely no idea how to end it. And you came up with that. They just sort of, Sheila McRae. It was some nice collaboration right there in a very weird way. So a, a cute ending right there. Um, and I did find one more that was not mentioned in any other reference guides, but at one point Yakko makes an, makes that whole thing again of saying, I am the king. Mm-hmm. And he says that in King Yakko. And of course this is from all I can tell is actually a reference to once again, Paul, the king of the big screen, which as we mentioned way back in episode 10, listen to that folks <laughs> for King Yakko uh paul the king of the big screen was one of those salesmen you know well, mm. go figure his television salesman but his commercials he was a kind of locally owned business in the la area and at the yeah. end he would say i am the king i am the king yeah so again if you live in the los angeles area you thought it was hilarious <laughs> yeah and you're over the age of 30 perhaps yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you might you remember it Again, I cannot find proof of this <laughs> of this reference, so I don't know. And I honestly don't know if it was um, improv on the part of Rob Paulson or if hmm. it's it, it was actually written in the script. But it seems like this that whole joke of "I am the king." It's that when you talk about inside jokes, my goodness, you're yeah. talking about a very small market. Uh, but the writers, obviously, all living in the L.A. area. They got it right away. <laughs> so that's good. That's put it down. They'll, kids will love it. <laughs> so, but anyway, a cute, uh, a cute cartoon. Yeah. Uh, what are some moments that you guys uh, like? Uh, Nathan, you, you know, talked about this one. What do you guys, what do you think? Um, oh, yeah. I, I like the uh, whole retirement scene where the king finally decides to retire. <laughs> I grow weary. We grow I believe I shall retire. For 20 years of dedicated service, we celebrate your retirement with this gold watch. Why, thank you. I never expected... It's been swell. Have a good life. Plenty of fiber. We're in charge. We're in charge. We're in charge. And then uh, the Musketeers are in charge. Yes. <laughs> that was a cute one. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what about you? I I like the Musketeers references. I thought they were cute and i liked when they were outside the king store and um kind of marching back and forth in front of it and they kept changing their outfits and they brought out the um three little maids from school outfits from oh, yeah that's right hello nice warners yes wasn't it hello nice warners yeah uh, yeah that was and, it and they even were they were even moving in the same uh you know mimicking the little dance that they did in that episode which i thought was really cool yeah. yeah, they brought up a few different costumes, I believe. I think one of the, what is this? One of these guides here says that it. Which, uh, by the way, <laughs> we're very upset because one of the guides that we were using for helping us with our references uh, stops at episode thirty-five, folks. So we're beyond <laughs> awesome. So yes, we're beyond awesome. We're coming up with ones that were never discovered before. 
one's getting in this door. Five, six, seven, eight. Gonna ask Cindy Crawford for a date. Yeah, the costumes for the, the, the Chinese opera costumes were in Hello, Nice Warners. And then they get into ballet costumes, which were seen briefly in Hearts of Twilight. I think when they were going from crate to crate at one point, they kind of tiptoe like ballerinas for a second. And then their Egyptian costumes from uh, Desanitized, which are shown. So, yeah, they're mm. kind of it's kind of callbacks, I suppose, to other costumes that they've worn in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I, and when I when I thought about that, I was like, they really need to come out with Warner Brothers like this speaks to me of action figures you need to come out with the warner brothers but also with their variants yeah in different costumes it's a great merchandising uh merchandising opportunity maybe <laughs> maybe funco will do that they're like notorious for doing that and getting tons of money so who knows um nathan any other things that you that thought were cute um i liked when dot made the king go in because he needs to man up kind of oh, yes <laughs> you're gonna make us go in like a, a poor, defenseless this, little girl? Yeah. <laughs> this is my bedroom. Let us go in first to make sure it's safe. All right. You'd let a poor, defenseless girl go in that dark room with who knows what lurking in the shadows? What kind of man are you? Well, I... Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was just it was just cute. I thought, I thought the energy was really good in the whole uh, cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um... And it was kind of, it didn't drag. It didn't seem to ever, it was pretty short, it seemed. Yeah, it, it was a little short. I mean, the, well, the first cartoon with uh, Skippy and uh, Slappy, mm-hmm. that one was, that one that was, was a like double. Two, yeah. Like, they go off with a wheelbarrow, I think, of bombs to go off to the theater, and then they go to commercial. Yeah. So then they went back, and so that was a two-parter. This was our just one small cartoon of Three yeah. Musketeers. So, and they got in and out of it really quick, I think, I, and really just that ending itself, which... <laughs> very unconventional ending um and i i love those kinds of endings that mm-hmm. just kind of they stop it it you know in retrospect now that i see that paul rugg had some feedback for that i can see yeah that does kind of sound like something that would happen quite often in freakazoid episodes mm-hmm. <laughs> they just kind of wrap things up in yeah, a like, silly uh, here we go silly way break the fourth wall and good night <laughs> Yeah, and Yako had a fantastic good night, everybody, in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very energetic and stuff. Good night, everybody. Overall, very cute episode. Well, let's get right into our water tower rating. <laughs> Kelly, I'm going to start with you. I think. How many out of five? Oh. Out of five water towers, how many would you give? today's episode i hmm i i have to think for a second i i liked it overall uh-huh um i i do have to deduct a good point or so because they didn't have spielberg in the episode they just <laughs> referenced him but but they get a point for that anyways yes a water tower so it, yeah um so i'm I'm going to give it three and a half. Okay. I I thought it was pretty good overall, but it wasn't like one of the strongest, most memorable episodes ever. And, um, I, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I, it, it was a little high on the ick factor with the, Mm -hmm. you know, popcorn and stuff (laughs) in the first, first segment. And, um, so it was kind of yucky and, um, 
So I, I think I'll deduct a little for that too. So yeah, three three and a half I think is fair. All right. All right. Nathan, what about you? I'm going at two and a half. Two and a half. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds that sounds like a fifty percent to me, Nathan. I guess. I? Well. <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's mostly for the slappy and uh, skippy and slappy cartoon. I'm mm-hmm. just not a huge fan of it. And then even at the end, when when they like her cartoon, they still get blown up. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like you won, you won. You don't need to hurt them any more than this. And so I think if there was less of the skippy and slappy and more of the three war- Muska Warners, then I'd probably give it up to a three or three and a half. But uh, yeah, so two and a half. And by the way, I just thought of one more reference right there with Siskel and Ebert. In, the, in this, they said, the balcony is ours. Until then, the balcony is ours. And mm. the original show, they said, the balcony is closed. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course, at the end, this, what the balcony's all blowed up or something like that. But yeah, that was, that was a little over-the-top Skippy. Skippy, yeah. this is what happens. You you spend too much time with Slappy. She has become a bad influence <laughs> bad on this influence. little squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he used to be such a cute little kid. Now he's, he's a delinquent well i'm gonna give this episode three and a half as well i thought it was a good solid episode not one of the best but uh i thought it was it was good it was it was a funny one and uh i i don't know i thought some of the skippy and slappy violence was a little over the top Mm -hmm. and some people i think appreciate that more um i thought the animation on it uh was some of the best for some of the skippy and slappy cartoons Mm. um but yeah and but it was good. It was it was a good episode. I liked it. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get right over to our Twitter poll results from last week. Oh. And uh, you know what? I'm I, I'm on the edge of firing that uh, that uh, announcer. I thought I had a good replacement right there with those uh, the robots right there from yeah. Skynet. But whatever, you had to unplug that. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do this week? Well, I'm going to go ahead and read it ourselves. Do you think? Well, Nathan, I'll have you read the results. How about that? (laughs) Okay, I'll try to. (laughs) So do you have the results? I have it on my phone. Okay, that that works. I'll read it off your phone. Okay. The official. (laughs) The official phone of the Animaniacast. Joey's phone. All right. So we were asked, uh, which of these was the best pairing in an episode 35 of hashtag Animaniacs, hashtag Animaniacast poll? And the choices were Mindy and the Brain, Pesto and Runt, Yakko, Wacko, and Slappy. And the winner was Yakko, Wacko, Wacko, and Slappy (laughs) at 49%. Mindy and the Brain, 41%. And Pesto and the Runt only got 10%. Pesto and the Runt? Pesto and the Runt. Well, I... (laughs) I'm not a fan of the announcer, but at least he's, he's, he's better reading, than me, I guess. He's reading them a little bit better than you are, I think. But anyway. I never learned to read, Joe. <laughs> so, yes. So, Yakko, Wacko, Yakko. See, now I'm not doing it Yakko, right. Yakko, Wacky, and Slappy. <laughs> Yakko, Wacky, and Yaki, Wacky, and Slappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one with one, this one, 49, uh, close to Mindy and Brian. Yeah, it was, a, it was a close one. Um, What do you guys think? What's your favorite of those three? Yeah. Kelly, did you have a favorite team up of uh, last last week's? I liked Yakko, Wacko, and Slappy too. That okay. was funny. And Nathan, what about you? I voted for Mindy and the Brain. Yeah, I, I could see that as a spinoff, probably. I did too. I mean, I voted for that, but I mean, it was yeah, it, it was a tough choice. Really, all th- three of those were just really good team ups. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really fun episode. Uh, well, let's head on over to the poll for this week. 
So today we've gotten a you know our sort of a, a another cartoon. king episode. Oh, okay. today we have a cartoon. <laughs> today we have a kind of a, another king episode. So Nathan, what's our poll question for this week? So since we have another one, this is the third one that I've counted. The what is the best Warner cartoon featuring a king so far? Like, we all know these off the top of our head, but I'm yes. going to read them off anyways. Please do. There's King Yakko, where um, Yakko, of course, becomes king. There's yes. Sir Yaxalot, where they have to fight the dragon. The dragon! The dragon! Exactly, thank you. <laughs> and then there's today's episode, Three Muska Warners. So. There we go. So which one of those, kind of, I, we were going to say medieval, but they're not all medieval -ish. Yeah, this is kind of... They'll just have a king. But they're, they're similar, kind of... They feel them. very similar. Mm -hmm. There's crowns involved in all three yeah, of those. Yeah, and they're all kind of Marx Brothery and <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. So you know, so which of those are is your favorite? You can simply go over to Twitter.com/slash/animaniacast, or you can search on Twitter for hashtag animaniacast poll, and you can find that poll and make your voice heard. Well, with that, I think it's time to close up shop here. We're going to be back next week with... Uh, we're going to go off to the military, I believe, next week. We have a bunch of military cartoons ready to go. Yep. Dodo Boys, Boot Camping, and General Boo Regard. Hey, there we go. And let's go ahead and get to contact information, though. So, Kelly, how can people get in contact with you if they want to say hi online? They can find me on Twitter, Yoda Princess, uh, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S, or kelly at bigshinyrobot.com and nathan what about you i'm on twitter i've got at least 22 followers now hey django ft that's me very cool uh hey yeah we have a bunch of followers on twitter for the animani cast uh we just surpassed 900 followers wow and uh, we're hovering around 250 followers on facebook wow <laughs> so hey hit us up on facebook hit us up on twitter and uh, you know, if you want to send us an email, you can do so by sending it to animaniacast at retrozap.com. And speaking of retrozap.com, you should head on over there because uh, we're a proud member of the RetroZap community. There's tons of awesome articles and amazing podcasts that you should listen to, such as the ARGcast, Beltway Banthas, Bruise and Blasters, the DeuceCast Movie Show, DuneCast, Kanata's Castle, that's a new one, uh, The Sandcrawler, Skywalking Through Neverland, Starship Sabres and Scoundrels, Talking Apes TV, Techno Retro Dads, The Trade Federation, and We Know Nothing. <laughs> so, until next week, for Nathan and Kelly, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. All for one and one for all! And one times ten divided by two times pi equals... What's that equal? Nope. It's sweet and low.
coffee. Thanks. Pass the sweet and low. What's this? It's the same thing. It's, it's not. I can't drink my coffee without my sweet and low. Well, what do you want me to do about it? Sweet and low. For millions of people, there's just no equal.